that wraps it up for another episode of Flashpoints. Our executive producer is Dennis Bernstein. Senior producers are Miguel Gavilan Molina and Kevin Pina. Technical director is Mike Biggs. For previous episodes, go to kpfa.org or flashpoints.net. For questions or comments, email dennis at kpfa.org. Thank you for listening. This is KBOO Portland, listener-powered, non-corporate community radio. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with the requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available at our website at kboo.fm. Due to the temporary closure of in-station activity at KBU, meetings will be conducted online via public video conferencing unless otherwise noted. A public link and phone number to attend the meetings are available on our website. The engineering committee meets on the first Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. Please visit our website at kboo.fm to verify if a meeting is being held. Hello and welcome to The Bike Show. My name is Alon Robb and I'm glad you're here with us today. Co-host Nedra Deadweiler will return next month. According to UrbanDictionary.com, Palooza means an all-out crazy party, partying at one place with a ton of people like there's no tomorrow. Add to that the word pedal, a lever pressed by the foot and also the action of working the pedals of a bicycle. And what you get is Pedal Palooza, a summer-long celebration of bicycles taking place right now in Portland, Oregon. Partying like there's no tomorrow. I hope that even in this week, when the Supreme Court gifted every earth-polluting corporation the right to trample existing environmental regulation, there will be a tomorrow and many days after tomorrow. Though I can't prove it with a simple equation, Pedal Palooza, the yearly summer-long celebration in Portland, Oregon, might aid us in having a future. The sense of camaraderie, fun, knowledge sharing and community that it creates and embodies are all essential ingredients in the move towards a sane and green future. Today's show is about Pedal Palooza. People of the wasteland, my name is Unouncer, and this is the second trial of the Rite of Ritual! <laughs> Standing before you are the most graven 
desperate and dangerous racers in the Pacific North Wasteland, all vying for a spot in the Broken Spokes. Sound good? Sound good? All right, well then let's shift into a different gear and get to the race. Racers, line up behind the starting line. On your marks, get set, go! All right, we're off to an exciting start here. Racer one is in an early lead, but he's gonna have to go downhill. Broken Elbow Boulevard. He'll have to turn to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right. Oh no, Racer one is gonna feel that tomorrow. So Racer two takes the lead, but it looks like Racer three has something up their sleeve. It's a pocket knife. They wanna pop their tire. Oh, oh. anybody's race now because they're gonna go uphill to the big jump they're going up and they're going to racer x racer x was saving their strength for that big jump but it's the most exciting part of the race now we're going through the irradiated zone they'll have to go over a bump two bumps Three bumps in a puddle. Three bumps in a puddle in a giant mechazord that they'll have to fight together. They'll have to form their own Voltron to take on the whole. Never mind. We'll reset to normal ground here. Sorry, buddy. But, but, but there's a fork in the road now. Oh. Their handlebars are stuck together. They're like two bucks competing over a mate. A mate called Victory. A stranger did it. It's his race to lose. My goodness. And he is one foot from the finish line. One foot. Well, now he's about 11 inches from the finish line. He's made some some ground here, but oh no, Racer X is showing up. <gasps> is Racer X going to win the race? Wait, they've stopped. What's going on here? Does Racer X want revenge? Oh no, what's he gonna do to the stranger? I told you to stay just heard a short scene from the bike play Beyond Velodrome, PDX Drift, performed during Pedalpalooza. The recording quality was a bit scratchy, and I apologize for that, but I hope that some of the play's spirit came through. The play centers on a post-apocalyptic Portland where bicycle gangs rule the city and includes songs and dances and audience participation as those attending ride with the performers from site to site where the action unfolds. Later in the show, we will hear more about play as we talk with one of its originators, Ashley Hollingshead, one of the founding members of the Working Theatre Collective 
and director of this year's play. In the first half of the show, our guest will be William Su, who with Megan Sino coordinates the hundreds of Pedopalooza events. William Su is also a member of the City of Portland's Bicycle Advisory Committee. Before we get to our guests, a few brief news items from the vast bicycle universe. The first news item is about 17-year-old Jayoti Kumari of India. During the first months of the pandemic, India imposed a strict lockdown and tens of millions of laborers lost their jobs. One of them was motorcycle taxi driver Mohan Paswan, her dad, whose suffering was increased by an injury. His daughter Jayoti used her last $20 to buy a bicycle and cycled more than 700 miles in one week across the country from New Delhi back to their home village with their father riding on the back of the bike. Sadly, her father later died. In the U.S., more cities are offering incentives to ride e-bikes. Recently, the Eugene, Oregon Water and Electric Board has begun a program offering its customers a $300 e-bike incentive to increase access to electric bikes. Funding is in part made possible by the Oregon Clean Fuels Program, administrated by the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality. And in Denver, Colorado, residents can apply for a $400 instant rebate before purchasing qualifying electric bike from a participating bike shop. Income qualified residents may qualify for a 1200 instant rebate. E-cargo bikes are eligible for an additional $500 instant rebate. Atlas Obscura reports that during the pandemic, a bookstore in Boulder, Colorado, pivoted to bike delivery of mystery bags filled with hand-picked books and a bag of tea or coffee beans. As the pandemic forced the closure of many stores in the city, Trident booksellers and cafe in operation since 1980 realized that instead of having the public come to them, they could bring the books, coffee, and tea to the public. Within a month, over 300 bags were sold. At $50, each bag is packed with four to six used books that are chosen by the staff with input from the customer. In addition, customers could choose a bag of coffee beans or tea. The mystery bag sales helped keep Trident in business. Owner Andrew Hyde described the joy of delivering books and getting exercise on his bike. It just gives me a challenge and purpose and that makes me and others happy, he says. And in a less joyful vein, as Jonathan Ma writes in BikePortland.org, Portland lost one of the mainstays of its vibrant bicycle culture with the recent death of Rabbit Fox, person who inspired many people. For the past two decades, Rabbit was often at the heart of many bicycle events, including Zubam, Chariot Wars, and the Lads 500, often riding a tall bike or a six-wheel bike with exuberance and an obvious love of the vehicle and of the community. In whatever dimension and place Rabbit Fox might be, I have a strong feeling that he is not too far from his beloved bicycles. May his memory be blessed. May his soul be bound with the living. A memorial ride for Rabbit Fox will be held on July 17th at 7.45 p.m., starting at Irving Park in Northeast Portland. You are listening to The Bike Show. We are glad you are here with us today. Our show today is about Pedal Palooza, Portland's summer-long celebration. 
Before we get to our first guest, William Sue, who with Megan Sinault coordinates the hundreds of rides, I would like to play a few minutes from an August 2002 bike show interview. Eileen Crady interviewed Dave Snyder of the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition, who explained the origins of Bike Summer, later becoming Pedal Palooza. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for joining us this morning. Glad to be here. So, Dave, Bike Summer is going on here in Portland, and the whole thing got started in San Francisco, the great bicycling city. Tell us a little bit about how Bike Summer got started and how the idea came about. Sure. The bike summer started in San Francisco in 1999, and then it went to Chicago and Vancouver, and this year it's in Portland. It started because the Bike Coalition was a part of the whole campaign for a citywide bicycle network that, that we started a couple of years before then. Critical Mass, as most people know, uh, started also in San Francisco, got to be really huge, and a, a minor, some would say a major police riot in July of 1997 caused the Critical Mass riot in San Francisco to make national and international headlines. The San Francisco Bicycle Coalition didn't have anything to do with critical mass, but we took advantage of all that attention to make it clear that the city had a plan to do a bike network and wasn't implementing it, and that people who rode their bikes knew how easy it was to get around town, and they knew that thousands and thousands more people would join them if the streets were just made a little bit safer and the city was doing nothing about it. So in 1998, we had a hearing to implement a good chunk of the bicycle network. Uh, there were some 11 streets that we tried to get bicycle lanes on. Would have required taking out a traffic lane here and there, and the city officials said basically that the opportunity for people to sit in traffic in their cars is more important than the opportunity for people to, to have a nice bicycle ride, and they denied us the bike lanes on 8 out of 11 of those streets. And out of frustration from that, the, a bunch of activists said, we're just going to take it into our own hands and have our own month's worth of events called Bike Summer. Like Freedom Summer, like Redwood Summer, we'll call it Bike Summer, and we will have a whole month long of, of awareness and activist events, a uh, little bit of direct action, uh, a lot of cultural stuff, a lot of parties and, and workshops and lectures, and it was one of the best months of, of um, my life and career as a bicycle activist in San Francisco in 1999. How are you involved with Bike Summer? What was your role? Well, the Bicycle Coalition was um, a sponsor of many of the events throughout the month, and we helped pay for the calendar that advertised those events. But just like here in Portland, it was mostly do-it-yourself kind of event. There was somebody who put together the events, but, but um, it was very grassroots do-it-yourself. So as someone who was involved with the first Bike Summer, how do you think of it now? It's grown quite a bit. Is this something you anticipated? Did you have any idea it would take off and go to a different city every summer? We hope so. That was, that was the idea back then, yeah, and I'm glad to come here. It's, it's just like it was back home, so I'm happy about that. That was Dave Snyder of San Francisco's Bicycle Coalition explaining way back in 2002 on the bike show the origins of Palooza. It developed out of critical mass in the opposition to the city of San Francisco's attempts to limit bicycle use, and then it turned into bike summer events in that city and then other cities, and finally taking root in Portland as a yearly Palooza. It is always good to remember what came before the present moment and the good work, often through struggle, of other activists. And now to this year's celebration. Our first guest today is William Sue, who with Megan Sinault coordinates the hundreds of Pedal Palooza events. 
William is also a member of the City of Portland's Bicycle Advisory Committee. Good day and welcome to the show. Thank you. Before we get to Pedalpalooza, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? So I am Taiwanese-American. I was born in Taiwan and uh, I grew up in California and specifically that's in the Bay Area. I was raised in the South Bay Area and then most of my adult life I have lived in Berkeley and Oakland. And so I started maybe biking in earnest probably my I had a bike but you know I got like a real road bike probably my junior year of high school and so I I got into cycling because I wanted the exercise so I was I I got back into bikes in a very um, committed way seeking to log a lot of miles and I think growing up in the South Bay it's less bike friendly than in the East Bay area where it's more urban but you know, I enjoyed biking, but it also felt kind of like a chore because it felt like I had to go out and get my exercise by biking. And, you know, luckily when I moved to Berkeley for school, it is much more dense of an environment and it there was bike uh, infrastructure, racks to lock your bike up to when you go to class, when you go to the coffee shop. So I was able to kind of incorporate bicycling into my life just much easier. I found that I really enjoyed biking just for errands, for chores, just for like that kind of commuting purpose, much more than being so intentional about like, let me go out and like put on my Lycra suit and then go out and ride 60 miles. That just felt very much like a chore. So while I do do that kind of riding still, sometimes I would say I much more just ride around Portland, whether it's to meet friends, go to restaurants. I'm grateful to work from home, but it also does mean that I have to be more intentional about going out because I don't have a commute. So it's not like I just get on and off the bike every day. I lived in Berkeley and Davis, so I'm a little bit familiar with that area and Berkeley's hills and Davis's flatness and being a great bicycle town. And what brought you to Portland? Yeah, so I am, uh, I guess before we go further into this, mm -hmm. I will say that I am new to Portland and I am also new to Petalpalooza. So um, I can't go too much into history questions because I personally don't know the history too well. I've heard it a few times said to me, but I moved to Portland because I think growing up in the Bay Area, this is a city that I visited uh, from time to time, not all the time, but I've, I've been here throughout high school and college probably a total of three times and I knew I wanted to be in a bikeable area and so that was kind of the draw and the appeal. Uh, prior to moving to Portland I also lived in New York City which is pretty bike friendly. I mean it's it's bike friendly in the sense that it's so dense that you mm -hmm. do have to compete with cars mm -hmm. but most cars are traveling pretty slowly which mm -hmm. is good for biking but right immediately before I moved to Portland I lived in Texas and I moved there for a job and it was trying to just try life outside of the Bay Area and thinking about, okay, what it what would it be like to kind of live somewhere a bit more affordable and also potentially like buy a home or something mm -hmm. because, you know, for me in the Bay Area, that wasn't really an attainable goal. And so I think living in Texas really opened my eyes into how much 
bike infrastructure really matters to me because it was just a very car-centric place to live in where there were strip malls and very wide, like, eight-lane streets where the speed limit is 50 miles an hour. And then you, you would have to often ride on the sidewalk because it was just wasn't safe. And so having spent two years there, my wife and I were ready to go somewhere um, that would allow us to walk and bike again. And, and uh, we had the privilege of, of deciding really anywhere in the U.S. we wanted to live. And we, we uh, flew out to Portland. Um, we actually rented a car and drove all around the Pacific Northwest looking at different cities. And it was, for, for me, it was down to Tacoma or Portland. We all but decided we were going to move to Tacoma. And I think my, my wife had a dream that night. She thought it was very beautiful where she lived in Tacoma and that she was also very lonely. And so yeah. that was a sign that we couldn't move to Tacoma. And we have some community already in Portland that moved us here. And so that was an easier transition. And I really got to say, I, since I moved to Portland, I've been here for about a year and a half. I've made friends extremely easily. I've made a lot of friends in the past year and a half, and I think a lot of it's through just the bicycling community. And uh, we're happy you're here and uh, also thankful for your wife's dream. So um, for those who don't know, what is Pedalpalooza? How would you describe it to a Martian? Yeah, so Pedalpalooza is an annual festival and that used to take place for a month a year. It used to take place in the month of June. And so now it, it has become bike summer, which takes place over three months. So instead of you know trying to squeeze a bunch of bike rides into one month, now we have three months to, to do all that. And Pedalpalooza is a community-led bicycling festival. So anyone in the community who wants to lead any sort of ride that they want, I would say, you know, they all have themes, whether that's music theme or a movie theme or, a, you know, a lot of them are dancing. A lot of them have climate as top of mind in terms of like cutting down greenhouse gas emissions. And then, you know, there are some that have kind of a political twist. So I think everyone who is looking for something will find something that they like. That is, it's really exciting because I think, you know, like I mentioned, I've, I've made a lot of friends in the year and a little bit that I've been here. And a lot of that has been through Palooza and just kind of going on rides, talking to people, you know, because I manage a social media account and I get to message people using the Palooza account. I have met people just messaging through there and then getting to meet them in real life in person on a ride. I think uh, it's just a celebration of being able to kind of continue the bike community that's in Portland. And I feel like, I do feel like Portland has a very special bike community that I don't think I've ever witnessed in any other city I've lived in before. And just celebrating being able to transport yourself by bike and cut down on car usage. And looking at the website, it's amazing to see the variety of events. Uh, really, like you said, everything under the sun and moon and so riding without cars starts at four in the morning. So we're talking here 24 hours a day. When you say Portland has a unique bike culture, can you explain what, what that means? Um, what do you feel defines it? I will try. I would say, like to me personally, bike culture I experience here is there are a lot of people who commute by bike that don't really don't really think too much about it. It's just how they've done it for many years. They've 
get to one place to another. Maybe they have a car, maybe they don't have a car, maybe that's their only form of transportation. And so, you know, I think that's one group of cyclists. I think another group of cyclists is they are, they love bicycles. They love everything about, you know, the components, the frames. They're, they're really into the build of the bike. So they, that might be another group. There's like another group of cyclists where those cyclists want to do events that are all bike oriented and want to celebrate everything via bike. And so, you know, I think some of these cyclists will come out just for example, tall bikes when they, when, when folks will weld like two or three bike frames together and you end up being two or three times taller than the average bike rider. I think that is something that's very unique and something that I've seen quite a bit here in Portland. And so I would say that kind of is different from um, just your run-of-the-mill bike commuter in, in any other city. I'm just, just thinking like, I don't really see any tall bikes riding down the street in New York City. So that's something that's really unique. One thing I'll say is also unicyclists. I do see a fair amount of unicyclists here in Portland, and that's actually something I'm personally interested in. I, my summer goal by the end of the summer is to try to learn to ride a unicycle. So I wouldn't say maybe it's not the most practical goal, but I do feel like it is something I have an interest in. And so that's just, uh, I feel like the unicycles also kind of fall into that bike celebratory type of cyclist. Uh, and so I think it's great that Portland has all these different bike communities. We talk about a bike community. Maybe we don't always think about the subgroups within that bike community, but if I were to try to break them out, that's how I would kind of categorize them. Among the rides that will take place is one that you're leading, a new to Portland ride. What does that ride include? Where are you planning to go? This ride is really intended to have people who are new to biking, new to Portland, or just new to Pedalpalooza feel included and then also kind of make community. And I, you know, I keep going back to kind of making friends and how important that is. As part of my experience of, of being a new person to the city, but also the experience of being new to Pedalpalooza. I think we just want to be intentional about making a space for folks to make new friends. And especially if you don't have too many friends in the bike community, I think this would be a very opportune time to do so, just right at the beginning of the season. So that way, maybe you make some close friends on this ride, maybe exchange phone numbers, and then you have practically two and a half more months of bike summer to go on more rides together. You might call up those friends, or I mean, no one no one makes phone calls anymore. You'll probably text your friends. You'll text your friends and say, let's go on this bike, uh, you know, this upcoming Prince ride or this uh, Grateful Dead ride or whatnot. So then you'll have kind of an established community to, to kind of experience the bike summers and then your the rest of your bicycle adventures throughout the rest of your Portland time together. So this ride will start at Salmon Street Fountain, going over Burnside Bridge, and I, I we are getting someone from Bike Portland to take photos of attendees biking over the Burnside Bridge. So we'll get a photo of the riders with the Portland Oregon sign behind them, almost kind of like a postcard, like, hey mom, I made it to Portland, Oregon. We'll then go to Lad's Circle, where there will be an activity, a game, a kind of an icebreaker, if you will. And then we'll do that there, and then we're going to head to Colonel Summers. We'll probably stay there, make a few remarks, and then we are ultimately heading to the Schilling Cider House. That is a place to grab a refreshment, a beverage, 
towards the end of the ride and for people to socialize. We are hoping to also connect with the Thursday night ride, given that's the same night. I don't think we'll catch them at the beginning, but maybe we can catch them somewhere along the way. Sounds like a fun ride. You mentioned that it's community-led. Do you need to work with the city? Do you and your co-organizer, Megan Sinon, need to get permit, per insurance? What happens if, heaven forbid, somebody is injured during a ride? I can't speak to that much of the insurance part or the permitting part because I would say that's outside of the scope of my responsibilities. Uh -huh. I will say personally that when I was attending the kickoff ride last week, given that's such a huge ride with like hundreds and hundreds of, of riders, I did see as I was riding down one of the streets on the west side, maybe it was NATO, one of the riders went down and I, I think the riders around them kind of immediately sprung into action. I think they, they like set a perimeter around them just to make sure to direct bike traffic away from the fallen rider. And yeah, I think it, it, it was just a testament to how helpful community and the other cyclists are when something like that does happen. I will say in terms of kind of the rides themselves, they are very, very slow. We're usually traveling five to 10 miles an hour because it's such a big group. And so I think a lot of the point Many of the rides, I would say the point is not to race or to go fast, but really just to kind of enjoy the evening, enjoy the ride, enjoy the presence of other people. And so uh, that I think that also helps with the hopefully the lack of injuries. Yeah, and the many rides I've participated in over the years, I don't think I've ever seen anybody injured, and I hope that continues. So um, people are careful and aware of each other, and that's really good. On the event site in your profile, uh, you mentioned wanting to create a more inclusive pedal palooza. Do you feel that it hasn't been inclusive enough, or do you feel like uh, we could go further and Maybe I'll extend that not only to Pedalpalooza, but in general, bicycling in Portland. Yeah, I think we do keep the inclusivity and kind of the diversity at, at, at front of mind when we were thinking about Pedalpalooza. We actually took a survey at the end of the last bike summer season just to survey the type of riders that we see. And then, so we actually achieved pretty good parity. Like we had the same amount of female and male riders last year coming at, at the oh. end of the season. And then we also have like percentages for non-binary people, queer people. Obviously those those percentages are, are much smaller than male or female. On the kind of race side, I will say that Pedalpalooza has been predominantly white. Specifically last season, we saw of the people who responded to our survey, 77% of them were white, identified as white. And then 9% identified as Hispanic or Latinx. 6% were multiracial. And then 2%, like me, were Asian. And then I'll, I'll, I'm going to pass on the other kind of smaller numbers down. Yeah, this is something that we do keep in mind. And I think one of the things that we try to promote through the social media page is like we want to celebrate and share those rides that will, I guess, increase POC leadership, membership in terms of attendees. So like yesterday, I was sharing a, a ride that was intended for adoptees of color. And so those are those that ride was specifically for 
people who are adopted and not white. So, I mean, that's a very specific group, um, but that is something that we are trying to be intentional about of, of kind of raising, uh, just, just celebrating diversity. The event has grown greatly in the number of rides, the length of time being held. Is there a danger of it becoming too big? Any danger of it of being commercialized so that in the future we might see on every ride something like brought to you by Amazon? And do you ever see a situation where fees will be required to participate? What does your crystal ball tell you? Not at the moment. I would not say that. I don't think it is our desire to commercialize Petalpalooza. I think we do have sponsors, but they tend to be local and they tend to want to sponsor. They might donate a beverage or they might donate food. So a lot of the sponsorships do come in the form of non-monetary form. And I think that also kind of alleviates and helps out just our planning process. Like when we want to offer the attendees of a specific ride a treat or something like that, that that's a financial burden that maybe the ride leader doesn't want to take on themselves. So it's always helpful when there are local companies who want to support us that way. I don't know that there is a fear of Petalpalooza being too big. Obviously, it does kind of, like when I'm in a big ride, let's just say the kickoff ride last week, it does remind me of like a critical mass uh, mm-hmm. ride, like when I would attend in the aughts, early 2000s. And, you know, I think with Petalpalooza, like it is celebrating the bicycle culture and the city of Portland. I think one of the indirect celebrations is also the cutting the reliance on, on fuels and on gas. And so uh, I think when we do ride as like a, a big mass of bicyclists down a street and there are corkers who are corking cars from entering, it is indirectly making a, a statement of we are bikes and we belong here mm-hmm. and basically respect our form of transportation. And so, I, you know, I think that's also something to be celebrated as well. From the surveys you gave out last year, was there any indication also that people participating in Pedalpalooza might continue riding afterward? Do you see kind of a lingering effect? The survey, I don't think it actually surveyed that question specifically, mm-hmm. but I would say one of the things that has ha, we had positive feedback about was when we changed Pedalpalooza from one month to three months, that had a overwhelming positive response. And so I think everyone was very happy that got extended. And so I think our plan is to continue bike summer in the future. And when it was getting close to the start of Petalpalooza, we've had a very rainy spring and it's it's continuing to be raining into the summer, which is not a bad thing. But it I think when it came time to being bike summer, there was just a lot of anticipation I could feel about folks getting really excited about leading rides. I ride ideas. A lot of people were really excited about the kickoff ride and how big it was going to be. And so I think that is a signal just for us in terms of maybe increased ridership, increased interest for the future. And, you know, we'll take that as a good sign. And over the years, I've participated in some rides that had a more direct political focus, like a ride against oil carrying trains. Have there been any rides suggested that maybe were politically too charged? Or what happens if, for example, a group like Proud Boys wants to have a ride associated with Pedalpalooza? Is there a way or desire to reject such a move? Or do you not see 
see that happening? Yeah, I would say that we are open to an extent. So SHIFT, which is the calendar that we operate off of, we have a code of conduct that we require that rides must adhere to. And so all ride leaders and participants have to adhere to this code of conduct. And specifically within that code of conduct, it talks about sexist, racist, homophobic, transphobic, ableist, or otherwise discriminatory jokes and language, not acceptable. And so if the ride does kind of fall into that territory, then it would not be permitted. It's, it does not preclude people from having a political stance and wanting to share that stance. But also, I think this is Portland and you have to kind of recognize where you are also. You're on the city's of Portland's Bicycle Advisory Committee. Can you tell us in a few sentences maybe what the committee does? What are some of the issues that have been debated so far? Yeah, so the committee focuses on different projects that the city of Portland undertakes. Sometimes those projects will span to different states, like our neighboring state, Washington. And what happens with these meetings is we'll get presented on ongoing projects to be able to kind of chime in or voice questions or concerns on. A lot of these projects are intended to be, let's say, a new bridge for cars. And so obviously when, as a bicycle advisory committee, we have the interests of bicyclists in mind. And so we're advocating for bicyclists and kind of the ease, the safeness of bicycling on those infrastructure, let's just say bridges, for example. And so we're advocating for, you know, wider bike lanes, making sure that the route to get on or off this infrastructure piece is safe. And so there's letter writing kind of responsibilities within the committee to make sure that we advocate for specific things that we want to see. Because I think a lot of projects, they will set out with a budget and often the budget will go, as, as you're working through the project, the budget gets bigger and bigger. And so when you're faced with a bigger and bigger budget, then it's like, okay, maybe we got to dial this back and where can we cut things? Oh, we can cut things on the bicyclist side or the pedestrian side. And then as I, as avid cyclists and pedestrians, I think we also need to be able to voice those concerns to make sure that those infrastructure needs don't get missed or don't get suppressed. And this is a good place to end, but if people want to find out more about Pedalpalooza, where should they go? Yeah, so uh, we have a website, pedalpalooza.org, and so you can see our website. Uh, you can read about the About Me. You'll see uh, my bio on there, as well as uh, Megan's. And then there's also the direct link to the shift calendar. That's also on our Pedalpalooza website. And on there, you can click on a day-by-day basis and see the different rides that are coming up each day of the week. And so on, on a weekday, you can expect anywhere from, let's say, four or five rides to, to 10 rides. And then on weekends, they tend to be even more rides. You'll see upwards of 10 to 12 rides a day. And then if you click into any of those rides, you'll see what the theme of the ride is, where it starts, how long it is, whether it's a loop. COVID precautions, and then uh, what you need or expect, what what you can expect to see on the ride and what you need to bring. I hope that's helpful. Yes, and thank you, and we'll see you on the ride. You are listening to The Bike Show. We have been speaking with William Sue, coordinator with Megan Sino of the wonderful Pedal Palooza celebration, and also a member of the City of Portland's Bicycle Advisory Committee. Thank you, William, for your good work. 
Today's show is about Pedalpalooza, Portland's annual bicycle celebration. To find out more about the many rides taking place, please refer to www.pedalpalooza.org or shifttobikes.org and the two in shift to bikes is the number. In the second half of the show, our guest will be Ashley Hollingshead, one of the founding members of the Working Theater Collective and director of this year's bike play. Titled Beyond Velodrome, PDX Drift Play, performed during Pedalpalooza, imagines a future where bicycle gangs rule Portland. Hello and welcome to the show. Before we get to the play, the wonderful play that I enjoyed very much, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your own background? Great. Uh, I am Ashley Hollingshead, and my pronouns are they, them. Uh, I grew up in Missoula, Montana, but I've been living in the Pacific Northwest for about, well, off and on for the last 20 years, mostly living in Portland, Oregon. And I moved here to start the Working Theater Collective that is the company that produces Bike Play every year. I am a director and producer and a, just a general all-around like theater maker. And in addition to directing, I've also done some, some performance as well. And how was the theater group born? What is the history of the collective? So the Working Theater Collective was started with myself and some other people that I went to college with. We went to school at Western Washington in Bellingham. And then a couple of years after we graduated, we moved to Portland in 2008 and we started producing shows uh, that we had written or that we were creating and we did a full season of shows for about four years which is like five or six shows a year and then after that period of time various members like moved away or got involved in other things and so it's really just been bike play has been the only thing that the Working Theater Collective continues to do. So that it was just so much fun that we just decided to keep doing it, even though the rest of the collective was kind of disbanding and kind of going on on hiatus. And probably the pandemic didn't help. Yeah, the pandemic is the only year that we have not done a bike play since 2009. On the group's website, there's a motto, aggressively artistic. What does that (laughs) imply? Do you beat the audience members over the head? I think it's just being assertive and like bold in our choices uh, in terms of material or in terms of like how it is being made. Definitely also a part of a manifesto that was written in 15, 16 years ago or so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, a bold declaration, so I like yes. it. And were you always a cyclist or what are some of your own experiences as connected with this wonderful invention? I have always enjoyed bike riding and then probably starting in high school maybe my junior or senior year I started using a bicycle as a mode of transportation as opposed to just like a mode of activity and I've been using a bike as my mode of transportation ever since I don't have a driver's license I did once upon a time but I I let it lapse and I just kind of knew that I wasn't interested in driving a car so I've been a very very avid cyclist ever since then. (laughs) So the bike play, what what on earth is a bike play? So a uh, bike play is an event that happens every year during Pedalpalooza, and it is a play and a ride. So the audience meets the performers in one location, 
and you see a scene there and then the audience and the performers bicycle to the next location and you see another scene and so on until like you come to the end uh usually i would say it's about like one third bike ride two thirds performance but like that kind of varies year to year it's definitely a very accessible group ride we definitely have a lot of families come out and it moves like at a pretty gentle pace it's pretty accessible both in terms of the theater that is produced and the bike ride that happens with it and uh, this year's play, um, without revealing too much, can you give us a general idea of the plot? Yes. So in this year's play, which is bike play number 13, Beyond Velodrome, PDX Drift, a stranger comes from the outskirts of Portland to, one, in search of his brother, who he's been long estranged for, and two, to compete in the yearly rituals to become a member of one of the local bicycle gangs, because in this in this future post-apocalyptic world, Portland is run by, by bicycle gangs. It's a little bit Mad Max mashup. It's a mm-hmm. little bit like Fast and the Furious mashup. And at the same time, like definitely its own kind of bike play thing with dancing, a song, and just general, like, many, many, many bicycle puns. Yeah, uh, the puns, the humor, the dance, the song were some of the elements that made it so wonderful. And what were previous incarnations of the bike play like? What were they about? So it's different every year. Every year, the group of people that end up performing in it kind of come together and we try out a bunch of different ideas around the theme to kind of create the script ourselves. So like last year's bicycle play was kind of like getting the gang back together or year of COVID kind of, kind of coming together and reuniting. Um, other themes have been kind of a noir theme, a Greek odyssey theme, science fiction. Um, for a while, there were some that were like, kind of like loosely based on movies. There was like an earthquake-themed one. So really, over over 13 years, we've kind of really run, run the gamut of ideas and are like always looking for something new to do. And there's a core of actors, writers, and then new performers every year, or you have a pretty stable group of people? It really kind of depends year to year. There are some people that have been involved. I was in the very, very first bike play, and I directed it one. I directed bike play six as well, but I also there are lots I have not been involved in. But usually if someone does one bike play, they will do another bike play. But as, especially as we're all kind of getting a little bit older, people are taking like time off to have kids or like job mm-hmm. changes or things like that. So it really kind of is sort of an open invitation to pretty much anyone who's done bike play in the past. You're welcome to do bike play in the future if that works for you. And also we've had at least two people that are currently doing bike play who had seen previous bike plays and were like, oh, I want to get involved in that, emailed us or contacted us, and now they're a part of the group. Yeah, that crossed my mind when I was watching the performance and enjoying it so much, and actually I wanted to join with some of the dancing (laughs) numbers, (laughs) but I didn't have that coordination, that nice coordination that the actors did. To the best of your knowledge, are there any other people around the globe doing similar things? So is this a unique thing to Portland and your group? I know that there are some people that do bicycle theater where they like bike the shows from location to location. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there's a company I think out of like Philadelphia that does that and does like pretty long ranging tours. Um, mm-hmm. I know the person who started Bike Play Here also did one in Austin, but I really think that the support and structure of Pedal Palooza has really, really helped just get the word out about this. Like I would say that most of our audience, this is like really the only theater that they see all year. And for us, like this is a time where the audience is mostly made up of like people that we don't know, like kind of mm-hmm. typically at a theater production, you know all the people on stage and you also know people in the audience. And, and you know, it's that community that kind of goes to everything, which is really great and wonderful and supportive as well. But it is very interesting to do by play where you have people who will say, oh, I come every year, I've been of them or I've loved them. You know, I met a couple after the night of one of the shows who came up and, and their child wanted to express how much they love bike play and mm. they've been coming for years and the, the parents told me that they thought that the child was probably in utero at the second bike play. <laughs> or oh, so. maybe conceived during the bike play, I don't know. That, <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> you never um, know. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's we have a really, really lovely audience and we've like built up just kind of years of people being excited about this. And speaking of the audience, during the performance I attended, you know, I noticed a lot of people in the crowd I was I knew or seen around in bicycle events. So maybe many were cyclists in their daily life. Uh, do you ever perform the play to groups that might be less sympathetic? Maybe at a convention of car executives or car salesmen <laughs> and saleswomen? Um, we really, we really just do it at Petalpalooza. We definitely have some. Sometimes it'll be like friends of the cast who don't want who will who will come out or like every now and then they'll be like an older family member or something who isn't able to bike and like we'll tell them what the locations will be and so then they can they can drive as long as you know they don't <laughs> find themselves mm. surrounded by cyclists um, um, but it is it is really just uh for pedal palooza so you haven't thought of taking it on the road to other bicycle celebrations we have not yeah we really haven't thought about touring it'd be great to share this wonderful experience <laughs> <laughs> You know, while the play was so playful and um, there were also important serious issues that were brought up and background climate catastrophe, consumerism, car culture. The play itself started at the capitalism sculpture at Lloyd Center, which is a center of shopping. Would you say that the group has a certain political or social orientation, a desire to change consciousness, maybe a call for action, or is that too simplistic? I think that as a group, we don't necessarily, like, because the, the members are in bike play kind of change a little bit year to year, we don't necessarily have, like, a super strong political motivator, but mm-hmm. I think what there is is what comes across in the work. So you mentioned that now you mostly do this play, the bike play, but uh, your other plays over the years, were they all, did they also take place in different settings or were they more in one building? What were those plays about? We did a lot of site-specific stuff. I don't know if we ever necessarily did much of anything in like, we definitely do, didn't do anything in like a theater theater. We would type things in like warehouses that would have been like kind of turned into theater spaces. The topic for our previous work, we, well, we had like 
four. We had two people who were interested in writing, and then two people that were interested in vising, which is more where you like kind of make it up with the with the performers in a very simple version. Then like everyone was kind of interested in directing, so it really kind of the projects that we took on just kind of spoke to each individual's interest, making sure that everyone felt artistically satiated by what we were doing. And the production taking place in different settings reminded me of uh, Soviet plays after the 1917 revolution where uh, they had scenes enacted in factories, schools, fields, palaces, and also of Greek theater, ancient Greek theater mm -hmm. being performed in outdoors, of course, and in temples. And I really liked that element. It was one of the many things that made play so enjoyable. How do you deal with our wonderful weather? As I wrote to the play, it was raining all the way until I got there, and then it stopped for two hours. So, what do you do if uh, <laughs> what do you do if it rains? Do you change the text? Do you what, how do you deal with storms and other natural phenomena? Well, it really depends. Fortunately, this year it didn't rain during a single performance, which wow. considering how rainy it's been was like really impressive. <laughs> like the sun came out every night, actually. And in fact, on the final night during the final scene, a rainbow appeared behind the actors. So wow. like the rainbow was getting like bolder and bolder <laughs> as the scene wore on and everyone had their like happy reunion uh -huh. conclusion, um, which is really lovely. Last year bike play happened not during the first super hot like kind of during the second so the one in august we did cancel a performance because it was just it was just too hot to be doing that and the very 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 first performance of bike play ever was not canceled but it was like such a strong strong downpour that we just did all of the scenes that year we started in lads edition so we just did all of the scenes in lads edition for like the director's parents and girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> but after that we largely have had really good weather we were a little curious as to how it was going to turn out on friday but it was kind of like well if an audience shows up we are gonna do something so most of our locations had potential element for coverage, which was nice. And if it had been super, super rainy, we kind of had talked, maybe joked, maybe not joked about just doing each scene on a different level of the Lloyd Center parking lot. And do you need to get permits from the city or insurance? Um, we're definitely kind of a DIY guerrilla experience. One of the things that was also so enjoyable was the fact that the audience got to exercise, move, talk with other members of the audience. Uh, that, that was really beautiful and increased the enjoyment of the play. The theater group operates as a collective. How does that work with the plays? Are there any special challenges? How do you resolve differences of opinion? It is definitely much less of like a collective than it used to be because now we really just produce this one show so there isn't nearly as much decision making that is happening and most decisions regarding bike play are held within like kind of the cast of bike play as well there it's like kind of one in the same but in terms of i feel like one of the more collective models that we do is that everyone who participates gets an equal share of donations at the end and as somebody who co-founded a collective and participated in several uh, i know well the challenges and joys of collective decision-making and long meetings and trying to reach yeah. consensus, which is a wonderful way to operate in this world if we're ever going to survive. <laughs> I'm curious a little bit 
far as your own background, uh, were you a theater major? And also, what are some of the theatrical or literary influences on you? Yeah, I, uh, I have both an undergraduate and a master's degree in theater. My master's degree is in experimental theater, specifically, and kind of like physical and devised theater. I, I kind of, not just theater, but I, you know, kind of draw inspiration from the things. Definitely specific instructors that I've had, and also like the works of Anne Bogart, who is a theater practitioner, and Mary Overly, they, she's a dance instructor. And then, I don't know, I just kind of try and uh, absorb a little bit of everything from everything. It's a little unfair question, I admit. It's like, what's your favorite color? I mean, how can you imprison, you know, the spectrum of experiences and beauty and color? But <laughs> I still was, it did, the play reminded me of some of the, yeah, physical theater, uh, a lot of, you know, involving audience. So what's next for you and for the group? Well, what's next for the group will be by Play 14 <laughs> uh-huh. next summer. Um, that will probably get started underway in February, March, probably March. And then what's next for me is in October, I am directing and producing a piece about Emma Goldman at, at the Headwaters Theater through Social Sciences Productions. And I'm really excited about that. And as somebody who read a lot of Emma Goldman and really interested in her and her work and her vision, I'm looking forward to it. So I'll be there. <laughs> oh, in thank the, you. I'll be there in the audience. <laughs> you can be sure of that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a kind of I don't know if I necessarily want to say like contemporary update. It that sounds wrong, but it's not. It doesn't. It is not going to feel like a time capsule historical piece. And uh, for those who would like to participate maybe in future bike plays or contribute, how can they reach you and what can they bring to the productions? I think maybe one of the better ways for people to reach us, at least initially, would be sending us a direct message on Instagram, at bikeplay. And they could contribute with production, with sets, and so forth? Like, if they're interested, they can just send us a message and let us Mm -hmm. know what interests them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We have been speaking with Ashley Hollingshead of the Working Theatre Collective, which produces the wonderful bike play. Thank you very much, Ashley, and all the best. Thank you. And that was Ashley Hollingshead, one of the founding members of the Working Theatre Collective and director of this year's wonderful bike play. You're listening to The Bike Show. My name is Alon Rob, and our focus today was on Portland's bicycle celebration, Palooza. Since 2002, Palooza has been a season of fun for the bike community, helping make Portland a better and brighter place. Some of the rides taking place, and this year there are hundreds of rides, draw over 5,000 riders, while other rides just draw a handful of participants, but all are part of what makes the event so successful. It is a DIY event in its best sense. Anyone can propose and organize a ride, and there is no limit to the theme or focus, as long as you adhere to some basic agreement about inclusivity, respect, and equality. Thank you, William Sue and Ashley Hollingshead, for being our guests today. For more information about Pedalpalooza and a list of the rides, you can go to www.pedalpalooza.org or shifttobikes.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope to see you on some of the rides.
Tienes una excusa para no cumplir lo que prometes Apenado y afligido llamas si y dices que te arrepientes Tú me dices que me amas, que lo nuestro es para siempre Mientes Con patañas, con regalos, con cartitas quieres convencerme Dices que lo sientes Soportar una 